Hi everyone, welcome to This Week in Lies, the show where we try to reverse party political spin, expose bad journalism, and hopefully have a laugh, because if we didn't, we'd cry. Joining me this week, as usual, are my co-hosts, Adam. Hello from Guatemala. <laughs> and Dave. Hello. Yep, so this is Series 2, Episode 3, um, and yeah, we've got quite a bit to cover this week, um, so let's get started. Norway news. So the first story of the week's about Norway, which is, uh, yeah, it's a pretty bad story, which is uh, Anders Bering Breivik, who uh, holds fanatical right-wing as anti-Islamic beliefs, uh, bombed the city of Oslo in Norway and also killed 68 people at a youth camp for the ruling Labour Party in Norway. Uh, he claimed responsibility for the attacks, but not criminal responsibility, which his lawyer, who's like a former Berlusconi minister, yeah, that's uh, pretty ironic, um, is trying to claim that he's literally insane. Um, he published a 1,500-page dossier called 2083 European Independence, uh, which is all about destroying Muslim influence in Europe and social Marxism. Um, he's been linked with the far right in the country and the EDL claimed in a blog that people are turning to desperate actions to stop the influx of Islam's Islamic to their country. Sadly, that is actually the quote. It is actually Islam's. Yeah. I thought I was reading it wrong, but it is actually people are turning to desperate action to stop the influx of Islam's to their country. <laughs> and that the Muslim and Islam community would respond to this attack. Basically just giant... Well, we can't even say. Just white stupid. Oh, you know you wanted to use yeah, that word. Um, <clears throat> and when reporting this, yeah, so basically when reporting the story, Sky News immediately ran the breaking news banner, which actually said suspected Al-Qaeda attack in Norway and then brought on experts to discuss why Al-Qaeda would be attacking Norway. Um, and then Norway's prime minister responded to the attack by saying that Norway will continue to see more democracy, repre- representation and debate, but not revenge. Um because he said that is not how Norway will respond. We're better than that. Um, George W. Bush, take a little uh, take a hint, hint yeah. there. Um, moreover, carrying on the story, Mario Borg Hazy, I think it is uh, pronounced that way, who belongs to the Northern League Party, condemned uh, Mr. Breivik's violence, um, but basically backed the stance against, like he holds the stances against Islam. Uh, that's what the Northern League Party does. It's sort of anti-influx immigration. Um, the Northern League's sort of a partner with uh, Silvio Berlusconi's government in Italy. Uh, Borghesio's comments in a radio interview also sparked outrage when opposition's called for uh, the MEP to resign. Um, Mr. Breivik's justification for killing all the people in Norway was that he wanted to inflict maximum damage on Norway's governing party because of its failure to clamp down on immigration. So basically decided to kill 76 people to get that point across. Um and Borghesio said that some of the ideas that he expressed are good, barring the violence, and some of them are great. Um, and he said that to the Seoul 24-hour radio station in Norway. Um, yeah, basically, after all this, Oslo saw large-minute silence, um, and the story's just been going on from there. I mean, what what about Glenn Beck, guys? Well, she's a thing, a delightful person, shall we put it. Can I break our not swearing rule? Like, can I call him the word I want no, to call him? No, I'm sorry, him? you can't. <laughs> can you just learn to edit in a beep? No. <laughs> okay, well, listeners, imagine a beep coming up in the gap. Glenn Beck is a massive... And that is why he got 
sacked from Fox by just being an absolute idiot, claiming that this youth camp was similar to the Nazi youth, which I always get, you know, left-wing liberal youth camps and right-wing anti-Semitic, anti-gays uh, and gypsies. I, I always get those two parties confused because their beliefs are very similar. It's a similar. very fine line. Not. Yeah. He's also, you know, by that logic, he could call the Conservative Party conference like an indoctrination camp, <laughs> yeah. to be yeah. honest. <laughs> but basically, the whole story. I mean, what do we think of the whole the whole issue? I mean, what what do we think about what happened? I mean, obviously, it's terrible. I mean, yeah, what thoughts on it? I mean, it's really hard. To, we can't really. We're not going to crack jokes about it because it's not funny. Um, it really is a super serious story. But what do we? What do we think about it? I think it's interesting how a Christian man committing an atrocity is basically acting by himself. The media portrays it as where as Al Qaeda attacks something and that's all Muslims sort of catered yeah. for all their yeah. views. Well, we're going to see a lot more stringent airport checks now, won't we? Anyone who looks slightly, you know, white with blonde hair definitely has to be checked off. Oh, wait a minute, that's not going to happen. Sorry, but it's all right to do it to Muslims, isn't it? It's just like Sky News with the minute the attack happened, reporting it's a suspected Al-Qaeda yeah. attack. They know it was an Al-Qaeda <laughs> attack. No, but it probably was because let's blame the brown people. Yeah, it's, it's an easy target. And, well, it's, you know, I guess that was the shock is that this guy seemed, isn't, he's not insane, is he? Um, pretty cold and rational the way he went about it, but he's trying to get him off on the uh, insanity claim. Pretty much. Yeah, I'd like to go back to the uh, young Mario in Italy. He's sort of gone for the, well, at least he's doing something approach for um, terrorism, basically. It's sort of like somebody saying, I don't like cornflakes, and then somebody else kidnapping the CEO of uh, Kellogg's to make sure they don't produce them anymore. And uh, I think it's really Silvio Berlusconi's approach to underage sex as well. Allegedly. You can't really say he's sitting on the fence, at least. The thing is, on a very serious point, I know we've never actually made this award, but and I also doubt their Prime Minister cares, but I think that we should give him the first ever This Week in Lies legend status. Just by responding to someone who was killed on a vast scale in a disgusting manner by going, you hate everything about us. So we're going to give people more rights, more democracy, listen to people more, and essentially we're going to just do everything you hate. Yeah. Because we're better than you. We are better than yeah. that, which was an awesome quote, I thought. <laughs> there was an article in um, The Guardian by Mr. Brooker, as some of you may be aware he does write for them, which said that um, people just shouldn't report his name, ever, and he should just be... A stranger, he just should not be given any kind of airtime for his views or for anything he stood for. Because essentially, the only people who are going to find his views, you know, any way close to being logical and rational, are people who need to be stamped out of society or educated. Yeah. Yeah, and people always say after, in like the wake of attacks, do not glamorize the victim whatsoever. Don't like cover him at all and just give like a cold, rational, you know lots of people are dead kind of analysis to it. Yeah. 
I've read 70 pages of his dossier and it's so lacking in logic and just it's kind of like the thing is you, you don't want to make jokes like this but it's kind of what the crusaders would write and it he did liken himself to a crusader and it's it's just sad that there's still people in the world who actually think that type of behavior and that type of thought is uh, is a way that you can behave. It's like it's you know twenty first century, not the eleventh. Kind of get over. It's yourself. the greatest irony and hypocrisy as well that a sort of self confessed. Well, he's not. He, he didn't say he was purely Christian, but he's a man who shares a lot of Christian beliefs. Would then go and say, "Well, I'm obviously within my rights to get my point across by murdering innocent victims." It's the same yeah. key antagonism that jihad and terrorism in general has that's based on religious motives it's like my religion says you know everyone's valuable but i'm gonna go and bomb someone or you know shoot loads of people it's like the biggest irony ever but they never seem to get that into their into their head i don't think that'll be addressed in his dossier either will it no i i'm not gonna read the rest of his dossier mainly because it offends me that much that it's just getting deleted off my computer because it is a wastage of memory. <laughs> That's how I can sum up his dossier. He is wasting kilobytes on my computer. I think we should move on then. Hackapaloozer, part two. So, you know, phone hacking is kind of, it's going on still. Um, it's kind of like when you get grass in your mouth, you just can never get rid of that bad taste in the back of your throat. <laughs> The uh, mother of murder victim Sarah Payne has been told that um, she may have been a victim of phone hacking by the charity that she'd set up. Now, the one thing of why this is probably a lot worse than the other examples is that this woman worked for the News of the World um, championing a thing called Sarah's Law, which was to give parents the right to be able to see if there was uh, sex offenders living near them. And, well, everyone knows the background to it. But... They hacked the phone that this woman was given by the News of the World. So on one face of the News of the World, they're going, oh, you're doing a great thing. Thanks very much for all your help on this. And on the other, they were going, oh, let's see how distressed she is. And when Rebecca Brooks comes out and goes, this is morally wrong, then you know that you've hit a brand new low. Like, you are past, like, the devil and... Onyx, you are now like going into what I'd like to call go to hell times two <laughs> because just how the thing is, I'm struggling to even make to even articulate this point of just how anyone could be so two faced, but then I have kind of just realized midway through this sentence that this is the Murdochs, so. That point doesn't really stand. It's kind of like, how did this idea get into your head? It's like, I know, this woman's just had her daughter murdered. I'm going to go hack her voicemail. It's like, does any normal self-respecting person have any kind of thought like that? Is that the first thing that someone thinks to do? Oh, someone's just died, I'll better go root through their possessions. It's like, (laughs) it it just seems alien to me as well. Yeah, they do say say it's like in the public interest, but how could anybody want to listen or know anything about a family's grievances? I think everyone would agree that at that time 
it's you know the ultimate distress you're feeling yeah. is that you'd want to be left alone well i think most of the public bar you know scum readers would actually honor that it's just the one thing that the british public usually does we are quite compassionate and it just seems that the news of the world is the anti-british public it is everything that if they thought that what they were doing is right, there wouldn't have been so much outrage in the British public when this has come out to what there has been. So these people need to be dragged through the streets in a cart. <laughs> I genuinely, I'm sick and tired of reading Glenn Mulcair's name. Not because I want the story to go away. It's just like, how did we? How did it take this long for us to get this absolute? Imagine the, the swear button here as well. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. <sighs> and uh, as usual, That's... News International has not responded to the uh, the claims. They couldn't think of a lie yeah. quick enough. Rupert Murdoch had his face in a pool of <laughs> melted down coins, so <laughs> couldn't respond. Hackapalooza, part two. I aye. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll move on to more sort of the political influence News International had. It seems pretty much everyone is in the same plague pit. Um, Chancellor George Osborne has had 16 separate meetings with um, Rupert Murdoch's um, companies and executives and so on. Labour leader Ed Miliband has had 15 meetings or social contacts, whatever that means, really. They passed each other on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) He tweeted, Rupert, Rupert, get me into power, lol. (laughs) (laughs) And um, David Cameron has outdone them all with uh, quite a nice 26. Yeah, but that's not actually him meeting them. That's just his forehead coming into contact with them. Which is anyone in the five mile radius to be there? Reflecting like light messages <laughs> in Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> um, David Cameron has ordered that all ministerial meetings with media proprietors, senior editors, and executives are published. And um, him and Ed Miliband, well, and most of the Conservative Party, you would assume, are going to look quite bad. But Nick Cleggs is just going to be. Uh, a really short list with just tear stains all down it. Who'd imagine? Nick Clegg was actually uh, meeting him today, and he's met him every day for the past year um, since the coalition made it. Just no one notices Nick Clegg anymore. They just think he's that waiter in the background. He doesn't make the <laughs> um, This really comes amid fears that politicians have become too close to the Murdoch empire and then have obviously hypocritically gone on a major offensive against him in the last couple of weeks now that they know that any association with him will not get them elected. Wait a minute, are you somehow saying that politicians jump on a public opinion bandwagon of some sort? I would never say that, Adam. I mean, David Cameron has been well known to avoid any kind of wagon. <laughs> just... He prefers bikes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially British politics. At least you can say it's a good time for it to clean up, and if we actually act, then, well, democracy as a whole will be a winner. But whether that will happen, who knows? Democracy could yet still be that sad child who never won the goldfish at the fair. 
Hack up a loser, part two. I, I, I. That's part three. Yeah, it's the third part because I said part two, I, I for you. Because <laughs> that's an appendage. Okay. Uh, so this is about the US. <laughs> Contrary to the crazy intro Adam gave us. Um, <laughs> basically, this is talking about, again, how <clears throat> uh, News Corp, and it's um, that relatives of victims of the 9-11 terror attacks in New York are um, set to meet with America's top law enforcement officials um, to discuss further allegations that journalists working for News Corp over in America um, tried to gain access to the phone records of those killed in the attacks. Um, the U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder has agreed to see a group of family members and their lawyers and representatives um, in August to discuss the progress of uh, this investigation by the FBI. Um, and the agreement to hold a meeting is a sign of, you know, kind of how serious this inquiry is, you know, now being taken. Uh, the very fact that they're meeting with the FBI. Um, <clears throat> Norman Siegel, who's a New New York-based lawyer who represents 20 of the families who lost uh, fam- who lost like loved ones in September the 11th, confirmed that um, confirmed the meeting was taking place. And he said he, t- he intended to take as many of the relatives as possible uh, to see Eric Holder in Washington. Uh, he said, "We're hoping the allegations of hacking proved to be untrue, but we want a thorough investigation to determine what happened." The thing that worries me is is the Mirror said this, and everyone went, "Oh, well, it can't be true." And then you were kind of waiting for, like, you know, the next day statement of, no, it is definitely not true. And then that statement never came. And then the next day came and that statement never came. So, like, there is that lingering little thought in the back of your head, which is going, seriously, they haven't done this. Like, this would actually be a new, new, new low. And we've already had a new, new low in this episode. So they're setting a good record at the moment. You can say they're nothing if not ambitious. Yeah, they're, they're aiming for the core of this planet, not hell. They want to go straight to the core, like a very bad 2004 film. <laughs> I do apologise. <laughs> oh, thank you, Adam. This would open up basically, well, I'm thinking of a word, but I can't use that. A new storm, I will say, because <laughs> if America um, grasps hold of this story and it is turned out to be true, I mean... They're just going to go so mental. And in the country where News Corps is actually registered as well, that Murdoch is in such trouble of actually losing almost everything he has. Imagine some kind of having all of your limbs tied up and then someone coming in with a massive plank of wood. That's kind of what the American legal system can do to News Corp. So I'm kind of hoping he's either moving to Australia (laughs) into the outback to not be found or he's you know just sorry to say this Rupert but just finish it it's all over not his life I mean just you know resign yeah we don't advocate murder (laughs) or suicide on this week in lies well Arab Spring news now. Boing. Oh, we are back with this. We gave it a we gave it a rest last week, you know, just to let the boys get on with it. And look what they've done during uh, that time. They've got themselves an embassy. Well done, oh, boys. Olivia, hand, well done. Give me give me a hand. And some funds. Way. <laughs> well, anyway, 
Uh, Tripoli's condemned us recognising the rebels as Libya's sole government authority because uh, essentially nobody's their friend <laughs> and they're feeling quite sorry for themselves. But uh, Khalid came the deputy foreign minister in uh, Gaddafi's government. He hasn't defected yet or become a spy or gone to an oil meeting which didn't actually happen. He's actually, I think, the only guy still working <laughs> for him. <laughs> It's told reported that the decision was unprecedented and irresponsible and Libya would challenge it in the courts. What courts? Which courts? <laughs> the courts that Gaddafi doesn't recognise are the only ones you can do it in. Hmm. Could be an interesting invention. Maybe he'll be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just going to like stand on top of a cardboard box with like a hammer. <laughs> But uh, Britain has ordered the expulsion of uh, the eight remaining Gaddafi diplomats in the UK and the rebel leadership, the National Transitional Council, has put forward Mahmoud Al-Naku, who I saw an interview with on uh, the BBC and honest to God, the man is a legend. He's not getting a legend award, but he's been in the UK now for 30 years um, as an exile and people have been trying to kill him and he laughed it off. He laughed about being assassinated. He laughed in the face of death. Oh, they're just trying to kill me. It's just a game. <laughs> he looks like he's going to become the new Libyan ambassador to London. But um, Gaddafi typically has not let us down for ridiculous quotes, which one of my favourites is, is he promotes protest amongst his citizens, but, and I quote, as long as they don't do it on the streets or make any noise. <laughs> Okay, he said that if the UK does not recognise me, I do not recognise the tyrant monarchy. (laughs) (laughs) And he's not finished there. He said, I am stronger than the West. My army assures me we can fight off any invasion. So that's a lunatic combined with a lot of missiles that we sold him and a lot of yes men. That's quite scary. It could all go very badly wrong and Libya could be reduced to some form of giant crater. <laughs> Do you think the army basically, when they um, he was asking if they could fight off anything, just went, um, yeah, yeah, and then turned around and said, we're going to have to get some bigger bombs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing is, I'm still waiting on these bees. Have you noticed any bees? No. I had a bee in my room the other day. It's a spy. Oh, so. There's no bees in Guatemala. He's not attacking here. I don't know what's going on. But Gaddafi, you crazy! You're so crazy. <laughs> um, uh. Carrying on this whole just Libya, Arab Spring news. Um, a sweep by government force in Libya has seized one person every hour during... Oh, it's in yeah, Syria, so. um, Has seized one person every four hours during the five-month uprising and detained them in secret, um, leaving their families, you know, no way to locate them, says a uh, human rights group. The group, I think it's Avaz, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, A-V-A-A-Z if you want to check it, uh, claims 2,918 people have been forcibly disappeared um, since anti-government demonstrations began in Syria on the 15th of March. Most most of the people are accused of being involved in the rebellion that continues to undermine the regime, um, which has been long renowned as the Middle East's most formidable police state. Uh, and an additional 12,617 people also remain in detention 
However, um, their incarceration has been declared to family members so they can actually, you know, see them and know where they are. They're not just, you know, gone. Until they randomly decide to send them back in a bag, dead. Uh, Tens of thousands more people have fled from towns and villages in northern Syria uh, in the face of uh, increasing and more intensive military assaults. Um, That Damascus claims are ridding the area of criminals and collaborators, but yeah, not really sure there. Has Stalin been re- like reincarnated, like forcibly disappeared? It's uh, it's like Mao Zedong, isn't it? And this uh, campaign to suppress counter-revolutionaries, where he literally just murdered like a million people. It's like, oh, you don't like my views? Okay, I'll uh, deal with deal with that some way. And then a million people just disappeared. Yeah. Well, I reckon it's been probably a bit misinterpreted. It's probably just a nice holiday they're sending them all on because they care about the people so much. I mean, they'll give them some nice literature about how great the government is and then a nice day at the beach where they'll rub sand into their eyes so they never forget it. It's kind of, I bet they're all at the same resort as uh, Gaddafi's oil minister. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, if Syria is actually the most formidable police state, We've got a bit of a problem in the Met at the moment, you know. We could be nicking a few of their coppers to help us out. You know, they're not really exactly being good friends of this country. They've got a lot of police, which are killing a lot of people. We need a lot more police because we can't afford them, or they've been a little bit entangled in corruption charges. Syria, we'll have a transfer, 250k plus Ben. for. Uh, Why me? I don't want to go to Syria. You'd fit in. Uh. By fitting, I mean get killed, but same thing. Six police officers, are we saying? Yeah, probably six. Yeah, six and a community support officer. Get back to us on that one. Yeah, and uh, give them permission that if anyone has a hood up in a shopping centre to beat them to death. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the world of fish was king. U.S. dead ceiling, 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 ceiling. That's one pretty high ceiling. This is news that the U.S. debt crisis has escalated after Republicans were forced to rewrite the proposal and the Democrats as well. It's been revealed to an even worse sum of money. But oh, there God. we go. Uh, yeah, they. The Republicans need to rewrite their proposal to lift the debt ceiling currently standing at $256 trillion, which, you know, (laughs) barely anything, to be honest. And um, they miscalculated how much the original plan would cut spending. Um, An embarrassing development for John Boner, which (laughs) even more embarrassing than his last (laughs) name, it would have been. Um, He's the Republican Congress Speaker. Um, The Congressional Budget Office has ruled that on, on Tuesday night that his bill would only have cut spending by $850 billion over the next decade, not the $1.2 trillion he had aimed for. Republicans are now racing against time to rewrite the legislation and push that the uh, vote from Wednesday to Thursday. To Thursday. About the earliest. Today, as we record. Yeah. The thing with Boner is that he said he's going to uh, stand up for attention and be quite hard when it comes to these plans. Uh, uh, somebody to. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. I knew it. Uh, yeah. 
the um it turns out the Democrats are quite a bit worse as well because they've miscalculated by five hundred million dollars how much they will cut spending by over the next decade, which is quite impressive. But you know, I suppose pocket change is in comparison to how much they actually have loaned and not paid back. But um, yeah, President Obama has said he will veto any Republican bill and the Democrats will also vote down the bill basically because they are so opposed to any tax rises that they're willing to plunge the world into a financial meltdown by not raising the debt ceiling. That is America for you, isn't it? The thing is about the taxes is 98.8% of the population wouldn't see any tax raises. It's the people who, uh, let's put this... It's the Bill Gates of the world. It's the people who actually pay for the Republican Party who will get taxed. It's kind of like the people's budget from here in, like, 1911, and they've they've just not learned. America is that far behind us. I'm saying we're better than you, America. I'm calling every single one of you out. (laughs) I'm saying that we should reinvade and teach them some bloody manners. <laughs> I'm shaking my fist at you now. And um, there was one lighter moment during the week when the White House on Twitter rickrolled everyone <laughs> in a move from about three years ago. But still, America does move slowly, as we've established. Uh, if you don't know what rickrolling is, uh, I can quickly explain it to you now. So yeah, you've all just been rickrolled. How do you like us now, America? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was pretty funny because it was responding to criticism during the t- chat on Twitter that it was too downbeat. So they said it was, uh, here's something more fun. So I thought that was great. So thanks to the guy in the White House who did that. <laughs> I think it's even more infuriating than the uh, lack of progress in the talks. <laughs> yeah. The guy who got rickrolled, I asked him to comment, but he is yet to get back to us. How rude. Now, obviously this show may come across, let's say, logical, rational, and I was going to say sensible, but then I realised I did just make a joke about someone who has their last name of Boner. Yeah, but we received an email this week from a man called Tea Party Roger. I won't give you the rest of his email address because I know you'll all launch a stern defence of the show and email the hell out of him. But I'd like to just tell the world what this man sent to us. <coughs> I'm just going to get my reading voice on. We must say we actually now, did really love the email, whether it's completely oh, serious or not. It's brilliant. So, brilliant. yeah, we're going to share it with you. Go ahead, Adam. The uh, email was entitled, Damn Communists. (laughs) Great start. (laughs) Dear Lenin, Marx and Stalin, (laughs) I have listened to your podcast. I hate it. You damn commies are all that is wrong with the world. You clearly have no morals and were raised (laughs) by wolves. As you would not openly hate religion, you must love Muslims. (laughs) 
You also are evil gay liberals who think it's wise to crack laugh at us conservatives who are defending the world from the evil from the east and from within our borders. Clearly never heard of a comma. <laughs> you probably are in that so-called human right brigade right at the centre. And he spelled centre wrong. Come on, it's not hard. I hate people like you. <laughs> Rights are for those who deserve them. <laughs> Colour means nothing, but they do make a lot of evil in the world. <laughs> and no, listeners, it, it, it's got another paragraph. You damn liberals need to learn an education <laughs> and not make... <laughs> oh, God. And not make wise quips at people who clearly know what's going on in the world. Bet you goddamn socialists love to make fun at people who understand the world and know the real truth about it all. I hate everything you stand for and say. Assholes. <laughs> now, the lack of punctuation, the fact that he spelt centre and colour wrong, the sheer and utter racism, the fact that we go from being communist to liberal to <laughs> socialist in nine sentences, and the fact that you know, like, this is a man who supports the Tea Party, and he thinks we're assholes. I just want to know which one of us Len, which one's Marx, which one's Stalin. Well, my theory is, you always introduce yourself first, so you've got to be Lenin. I'm the brains behind the operation, so I'm Marx. And uh, Fish, Fish is the one that's been well known to lock people up and, you know, not let them out. He also days. has a very nice oh. handlebar moustache. That is true. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> so he's got to be Stalin. So yeah, <clears throat> that was the email. Uh, we got that through just in case you didn't know our email address, which is I think it's thisweekinlies@hotmail.co.uk. I think that's right, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, it is indeed. Um, we're just going to plug the Twitter and stuff like that. So the Twitter is at thisweekinlies. Facebook is thisweekinlies. And yeah, Adam, you got some more. We've got some quick shout-outs to do. Haven't you not done yeah, before? just uh, a few shouts out for Mr. Gary Eaves, who is holding that last name to a lot higher reputation than his daughter can do. <laughs> um, and for Mr. Peter Holland III from Chicago, who I'd like to apologise to because I called him a Yank in reference to him being American, which he found offensive because he's a Cubs fan. So, Peter, I I apologise. and I'm sorry that, that I made that mistake. Thanks for emailing. We're sorry you're a Cubs yeah. fan as well. <laughs> That was David. I'm not going to email you apologising for that. I've already emailed you apologising for that one. But, yeah, thank you, Tea Party Roger. You've amused us. That did brighten up yeah, our week. Considerably. Uh, we'd also want to give a shout-out to uh, Ken from Korea, who gave us one of our first iTunes review, which was uh, a five-star, where he uh, playfully jested that Fish wasn't a co-host, that he was actually a guest. And we should get a new one. <laughs> Which was amazing. And Ken, we literally had so much banter from that one message that Fish just didn't want to even do the show anymore. He was considering leaving. You do owe me a box of tissues from when I had to lock myself away. And cry, I'll point out <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are sponsored by Kleenex. I told you, Adam, stop giving them airtime. They've not paid for it. <laughs> when they start throwing down the money, then I'll plug Kleenex all they want. So, FIFA news now. It's come out recently that, uh, you know, FIFA are a little bit incompetent. Next week, will be telling me George Osborne's the Chancellor. 
What? He is? What was that? You asked me to set you up, now I feel dirty and used. FIFA news now then, Fish, carry on. Yeah, um, European clubs have basically threatened to break away from FIFA and UEFA and create their own Super League unless the world governing body urgently addresses their growing concerns over international fixtures and finances. It'd be the most radical development in the history of football since the First World Cup in 1930, ripping up the established world order of the game and seizing power from Sepp Blatter, FIFA's president, who's a well-known nice man. That's often a talking point on this show as well. I just want to know which one he is, because is he, you know... I've seen Sep and I've seen Joseph and they both look the same. I can't tell the difference between the twins. It's quite hard. That's two terrible jokes in a row. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, the Guardian revealed that um, when Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, who's quite high up in Bayern Munich's um, sort of chain of command, being a legendary ex-player, he uh, called for a revolution. The European Super League would see the clubs seize control of uh, all their own affairs from the regulators. The European game is currently ordered through a memorandum of understanding between the clubs and UEFA that was signed three and a half years ago. And this would run out in um, 2014, where, whereby this would make the top yeah. European clubs basically not contractually obliged to play in any UEFA or FIFA licensed tournaments or anything like that or release any of their players for international duty which I'm sure will help Bolton quite oh and you've not got any international sorry Ben sorry ignore that one Kevin Davis played for England in like you know Gary Cahill did Greta Steinson uh, UC Eskalainen Ricardo Gardner Martin Petrov not real players yeah carry on Stu Holden they're just regions carry on (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, this is a reflection on their belief that FIFA lacks legitimacy. I don't know where they would get that <laughs> impression from whatsoever. Um, basically, especially in the wake of damaging bribery allegations currently surrounding the organisation, and this shows, well, they think it shows that the clubs will not shrink from breaking away if they do not receive sufficient guarantees. But I think it's just, well self-interest basically it's not saying let's reform football or whatever it's just saying there's lots of corrupt people who are getting all the money why don't you just give all that money to us and we'll distribute it a lot better we promise the thing that's amused me is fifa's been looked at in the last two weeks as you know not being legitimate with its president and the two countries it's visited is nigeria and zimbabwe <laughs> <laughs> could you visit two countries at a worse time and have your picture taken with Robert Mugabe? And it's like, well, there's the crook and there's Robert Mugabe. Hey. They're getting, uh, they're getting masterclasses on how to embezzle money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stay in control without winning the election. <laughs> Mugabe's won a lot of elections, I'll have you find. Yeah, but a lot yeah, of dead people my... turned up to vote as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to start happening in FIFA. <laughs> just stay. Uh, dead community is a big demographic yeah. these days apparently. The, the zombie vote is huge <laughs> all, the, all their demands uh, are is brains that's all they ever get. 
Not very good campaigners, yeah. though. Who do you want to vote for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they cannot be canvassed in any way. <laughs> uh, Should we move on? Arr, my ship be sunk by High Court Judge. Well, that tenuous link. <laughs> uh, you want it? <laughs> it's all about, um, actually, a pretty worrying story. If you're in any way sort of a believer in uh, the internet as one of the last places that you can truly sort of be anonymous and free and stuff like that and free speech and such and such is that uh, a high court judge has ruled in the UK that um, British Telecom has to, is legally obliged to block access um, to certain websites which contains uh, pirated software and movies and things like that. Um, and the website is called Newsbin2 and it's such a members only site. Um, which aggregates a large amount of illegally copied material found on discussion forums, you know. So it's got movies, it's got software, it's got games, music, stuff like that. Uh, and this landmark case is the first time that an ISP has been ordered by the courts to block access to, uh, you know, to such a site in the UK. And the problem is that this kind of thing paves the way for other sites to be blocked as part of, you know, a major crackdown on piracy, um, spearheaded by the media industries. Um, and in the ruling, it was uh, Mr. Justice Arnold, and he stated that, in my judgment, it follows that BT has actual knowledge of, P of other persons using its service to infringe copyright. It knows that the users and operators of Newsbin 2 infringe copyright on a large scale, and in particular infringe the copyrights of the studios in large numbers of their films and television programs. But there's not really a problem here, because it's BT, and if you ever dealt with their customer service, it takes about 20 years <laughs> to get through. So... <laughs> By the time, you know, these films have actually become available and copyright's been totally got rid of, then they'll ban that site, so it's all right, everyone. Don't worry Don't about worry. it. But uh, Justice continued, it knows that the users of Usebin 2 include BT subscribers, and it knows that these users use its service to receive infringing copies of copyright works made available available to them by Newsbin 2. So technically, in without the jargon, he's basically saying that BT knows that some of its users go on these websites to download movies illegally or software and video games and so on, and that now BT is legally obliged to ban that site because of that knowledge. Um, and BT and the Motion Picture Association, which brought the case, will be back in court in October to work out how the blocking will work, um, but it said it won't appeal the ruling, which is quite worrying. Um, basically, yeah, it's where where does this end? What do we think? Well, we'll just have to take over some kind of small oil rig and just say it's an independent country where copyright doesn't exist. <laughs> it's already been tried, sadly. No. Oh. Mm. Well, that's me out of ideas. I'm sorry, guys. You would like to think the internet is sort of the last bastion of, well, doing whatever the hell you please, basically. But if it if governments start interfering with it, and, well, it does get quite complicated of, you know, where things are situated and who has, like, intellectual property over what and so on. It could all just end in, like, a big mess and so many sites will get closed down because some people will find it offensive and so on. But, I don't know, it'll erode something which is the best provider of information we could ever possibly have. And if you start centering that, then... Well, a lot of information you could have found out will not reach the public domain, and I think it'll be quite it's the same. I was thinking, what about things like YouTube? I mean, 
they've even started doing it as well, and that's in a whole discussion with uh, people like Warner and WMG, is that you know putting music on YouTube for people to watch is an infringement of copyright. It's like, well, how far does copyright extend on the internet? Because the problem with copyright is that it's such an antiquity. antiquity uh, I can't say it. It's such an old system, basically, that people never wrote intellectual laws relevant to the internet. And so now these kind of old laws are kind of just being interpreted to mean something else. And that's what, like Dave said, it's like what happens when you start censoring the internet and you start shutting down these really big, useful sources of information because someone says, well, it's my copyright or something like that. It really is quite worrying. Hopefully it won't continue. If they're, if they're stopping, you know, like, um, allowing information which is on copyright, then Jim Davidson's pretty screwed for all of his DVDs <laughs> because that's other people's jokes anyway. <laughs> yeah, Davidson. Calling you out. You frat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, well, let's move on. Blue Sky Thinkers. Now, Mr. Hilton is a blue sky thinker. So that essentially means he looks up at the sky and thinks, ooh, isn't that pretty? And it's probably good that he doesn't work for anyone important or, you know, in any kind of responsibility. Oh, wait a minute. Adam, I think, uh, I think he does. He, he, does that say what I, I think, think it that says? says I think he works. Oh, God. Is is he the Prime Minister's strategy director? Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Can, can we confirm that? I somewhere? can confirm it. Uh, it's true. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, this hippie has <laughs> reportedly suggested the, <laughs> the radical ideas during discussions on scrapping red tape and bureaucracy to boost economic growth, which doesn't sound stupid, but... Mr. Hilton then decided to continue his ridiculous nature and say that uh, he didn't understand why the Prime Minister had to obey the law. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He also said that um, Mr. Cameron should just simply ignore European labour regulations on temporary workers. Yep, that's another one. That's a good one, that. And uh, he had to be explained that if David Cameron broke the law, that David would go to prison as well. But... Yeah, it, apparently Mr. Hilton, who often walks around the Prime Minister's office without shoes, without clothes, and <laughs> being walked by Nick Clegg with a gimp lead around his neck. <laughs> He's an increasingly influential figure who uh, often suggests seemingly crazy ideas in attempt to spark creative debate. So uh, let's play the What Steve Hilton Has Said to Make Debate Game Now. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Right, okay, here we go. While looking at the ways to cut the deficit, Steve Hilton suggested what? Is it A, abolishing the monarchy? Is it B, playing with monopoly money? Or is it C, abolishing hundreds of government press offices and replacing them with a single person in each department who would communicate via a blog? B. I reckon A. No, it's C. He thinks that you can get rid of press officers and just go, there's a blog, everybody. 
So would that be all the departments sort of what they they want to say to the press, just updated to a blog, and then they just go to newspaper journalists look on there? Pretty much. But we all know that, you know, the government in the last couple of years has been great when it's come to, let's say, not releasing stuff it didn't mean to release. It's been mm. quite good for that. So you ready for the next for question two in the game? Yep. He also wanted to suspend what? All consumer rights legislation for nine months to, and I quote, see what would happen. I think you're giving it away slightly. No, 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 no. there's more quotes, don't worry. Suspend Elmo because, and I quote, he just looks me. Or suspend BBC One because it stopped playing his favourite programme. And I quote, it made me upset at night. I had to wash my feet with no BBC One. Which one do you think it is? I'm going to go with A. It's all of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, it isn't. Uh, It's not his A. They might as well be all of them for this man. He seems like like one of those little kids where you just got some keys and some tinfoil and his day's made. So he said he wanted to suspend all consumer rights for nine months. To see what would happen. Yeah, what pretty much. What an absolute much. lad. Yeah, we should suspend all human rights for, let's say, a year. S- see, see what, what happens. happens. <laughs> suspend. It also seems like a, ch- a child in the way. It's just like, what would happen if you drew the budget in crayon? Would it make <laughs> it magic and we have more money? <laughs> <laughs> he did also say that to make the economy better, people should just think more positive. No, Steve, that doesn't work for a major economic meltdown. No, Steve, we need to think on money. We don't have enough of it. (laughs) (laughs) And in proper grammar, I think you'll find Steve. Yeah. Disappointing. Well, he only works for the Tories. They don't believe in education. Yeah, Cameron. I'm still annoyed at Cameron. He's not done anything to match Obama and his White House for the Rick Rowling. (sighs) Does he have a sense of humour? Or does that include, like, killing swans because it's amusing? (laughs) (laughs) Fear of getting getting too off-topic. Steve Hilton, you keep looking at the sky. You keep aiming high. And one day, you might walk up a building. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all right because there'd be trampolines because he'd have put in a major policy review. uh, There have to be trampolines every 100 metres off the floor. So it's all right, don't worry. To make people think more positive. (laughs) No strategic directors were harmed in the making of this sketch. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I think we uh, shall move on um, to the plans by the coalition to draw up the boundaries or redraw up the boundaries. They're trying to cut the number of MP uh, constituencies and therefore MPs from 650 to 600, which will uh, provoke a cross-party rebellion more than likely that it has been said alleged that um, could topple the government by October 2013 with both Conservative and Liberal Democrat sources apparently um, acknowledging this could well be the case. Who was that second party? Um, the Liberal Democrats. And... Have you heard of them? You have. You voted for them. Wait. Oh, yeah. my banter mind. And oh, do I mind? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim Davidson. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the boundary commissions in Wales and England are due to publish detailed plans for redrawn constituencies in the first two weeks of September 
just ahead of this year's uh, party conferences, which should make it even more exciting than usual. Oh, it would be riveting. Yeah. The proposals will leave only 25 seats undisturbed and will inevitably set some MPs from the same party against one another as they battle to prevent seats from being abolished, which, you know... I know. Makes it sound like some kind of cave. <laughs> Hell in a cell. For crewing that witch. <laughs> and Nick Clegg has thrown Simon Hughes to a table. <laughs> He's got the steel chair. <laughs> Vince, get the chairs. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Um, John Prescott. Uh, John. Why does it John? John Prescott has a bizarre version of mankind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, eat the pie, eat the pie. <laughs> sausage is strapped to his fingers <laughs> Eric Pickle the cheap version of the big show <laughs> uh, uh, yeah I paid to watch that and uh, Dennis, Dennis Skinner is uh, Vince McMahon pay per view as well yeah definitely Bring in a bit more, a bit more well, revenue resources. We can use yeah. it to reduce the national debt. I think we're full of good ideas. How has Steve Hilton not come up with this idea so far? <laughs> I don't know. Too busy looking at the sky. Useless. Yeah. Um, well, basically, senior Tory and Lib Dem sources have acknowledged that the requirement to put the final revised boundaries to a vote in the Commons will provide a flashpoint. A Conservative advisor on the review admitted it will be the greatest single risk to the coalition making it through its full five years. It sounds fairly ominous. Yeah, and uh, one Lib Dem said it is inevitably going to be a point of high, even maximum, tension in Parliament. The result of the vote will be tight since Labour will vote against the changes en masse and some of our MPs will rebel as as will Tories, concerned that they'll see their seats taken away. But it's a leap to say that the coalition will collapse. So it's interesting that once everyone's self-interest is at risk, then everyone's just going to turn on each other. A bit like The Road by Cormac yeah. McCarthy. It's just going to turn into a post-apocalyptic weight That's what's going to happen, and Viggo Mortensen's going to be walking around there with the sun. So, yeah. Expect to see a bombed-out House of Parliament following the vote. Once the proposals are published, they will be subject to consultation over the following 24 weeks before a vote in Parliament that can take place no later than October 2013, which is ages away for the wasteland to uh, come about. So basically stock up on tinned food while you can. And um, research undertaken from the Conservatives suggests far more seats will become marginal and the Lib Dems, along with Nationalists, will lose as many as 10. The Tories could lose as many as 15 seats and Labour 25. Ooh. Yeah, quite handy, that Quite bad, because most of the Labour seats are all those tiny little constituencies up in the northwest, especially where, where I'm from anyway. There's, in Bolton, there's a, there's like there were a few seats until the last few years, so I can imagine Labour will lose a lot of seats around uh, industrial heartlands. Yeah. It's just funny how it's turned out and quite unfortunate. I'm sure the Conservatives will be apologising in due course. <laughs> uh, yeah. However, the projections are not quite as bad for the Lib Dems as some estimates produced earlier by Professor Lewis Baston for Democratic Audit and published in The Guardian. He predicted that the junior coalition 
partners could lose 14 seats in the shake-up, which is pretty much 90% of what yeah. they have. I've got an idea to make money on this, like the last idea about, you know, the fighting. Instead of having an act that, you know, gets rid of 50 seats, we've all seen on Prime Minister's Question Time, there's not enough seats for everyone in the, uh, in the House of Commons now. Why don't we just have a massive, whoever gets first, whoever gets to the seat first, stays. And if you don't get a seat, see you later. No, it's discriminating against Prescott and Pickles, though, because... Well, Prescott's in the Lords now, so that's all right. Well, yeah, I suppose, um, but... Pickles would just be, you know, convert to the form of a bowling ball. And just <laughs> move like the giant ball in Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just running kids. There should be Tom Watson MP running down the middle aisle going, Oh no! Oh no! Followed by a small Asian child saying I didn't saying I didn't touch anything. I touched I touched nothing indeed. <laughs> oh, if only politics was that funny. It is that immature that it probably could like dissolve into a game of musical chairs. Uh, well I suppose John Burkow's alright, he can't be yeah. unseated. <laughs> So he's quite happy. Mm. So just thought I'd mention John Burko, close yeah, friend of the show. We do like yeah. him. Well, he's going to be pressing the play button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's move on then, shall we? Hi, I'm David Willett. I charge you more for university. You don't like it? Go abroad. <laughs> uh, the old, if you don't like it, you can get out approach. <laughs> Um, yeah, basically, this story is all about university fees. Uh, more students from England should be able to study bro- abroad, says the university's minister, David Willits. Uh, he said that it should be easier for English students to gain credits towards their degree while studying overseas. Um, he said that there should be a greater mutual recognition of qualifications between countries. With many students in England now facing tuition fees of up to £9,000 a year, it's become much more popular for students to want to study at foreign universities. <laughs> Speaking at a Westminster Education Forum event on uh, higher education, um, the minister said that he would like to see British universities with more of a presence abroad. He said he would like to see them be able to raise enough funds to set up more operations, and he would like to see a greater rec- mutual recognition of qualifications so that a student born in Britain can build up credits for a British degree while studying abroad. And that may be a way in which we see rather more British students studying abroad. Um, such a move could see more students working towards their degree while studying at a foreign university or an over- overseas campus of an English university. Um, so essentially this just seems like empire through the back door. Yeah. <laughs> we'll build more universities over there. Yeah, yeah. We just have people flooding over there, educating their people. <laughs> <laughs> Coming over here, taking our university places. <laughs> We'll go over there and take their jobs. Ha, ha. <laughs> and then come back here again. <laughs> I, I do like how every fourth sentence in his uh, press conference started with, I would like to see. Not, I will ensure or I am going to make sure. Just, it would be quite nice if this would happen. I'm not going to do anything about it because we're the Tories and we don't care. But I would like... Mm. Thanks, David Willett, you goblin-looking creature. <laughs> I like how we've just descended into just personal attacks now, not just policy I don't attacks. like the man. I don't like the man. Yeah. It's also interesting that he said um, he'd like to see them able 
the university is able to raise enough funds where would that be from but considering how much they've slashed budgets would it be from like private industry maybe ocean finance <laughs> maybe it'd be from the nine thousand pounds a year it's charging to all the students i suppose yeah um that reminds me of a story i forgot to mention before which is um michael gove is a personal friend of rupert murdoch has met him and he wanted him to sponsor one of the new academy schools <laughs> and, and run it basically or have a big say in how it's run what would those kids be taught I don't know. This is IT and how to hack into email accounts. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, if somebody is murdered, is what they're saying on the phone A in the public interest <laughs> or B private? <laughs> Remember, kids, A is always right. Yeah. Uh. Welcome to the Coalition Health Policy, sponsored by the drug companies. So yeah, this story is all about the government's independent, and yes, make sure that you're doing those air quotes there. Their independent advisor on uh, mass tranquilizer addiction has received some very choice funding from a drug company, which manufactures two commonly prescribed tranquilizers. Professor John Strang, head of the National Addiction Centre at King's College London and author of a government report on the prescription of potent psychiatric sedatives, did not declare that he'd received money from the pharmaceutical firm, fueling allegations of a serious conflict of interests. Did he have, like, random spots of blacking out by any chance? Mm, Maybe he was uh, in that general vicinity of the news of the world when all this took place. I don't remember how that money got into my account. I think I found it on the floor. Yes. I found that $1.2 million on the floor, definitely. So, yeah, health ministers face growing pressure to scrap their forthcoming tranquilizer addiction strategy, and the National Addiction Centre report that the scale of the problem and how to help people has been widely criticised as a total waste of time and money, now even more so considering that it's been backed by the drug company that they're kind of going to be ragging on a little bit in the report. (sighs) We're starting to sound like America when it comes to health. We're starting to sound like big medicine and like big tobacco, but now it's just like, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do some more work in England. It's just like, uh, it really is face palm time. Yeah, it would be certainly interesting to read what the bill would have said. Just like, um, to beat tranquilizer addiction, what you need to do is increase your tranquilizer usage by 5% each day. to bad reporting we've got the first one from a dear old friend adam it's something you've wanted to see back in this week in lies after a week's absence is it is it the daily is it the daily mail yeah oh yeah it's back and well not really better than that (laughs) better in the worst sense of the word (laughs) (laughs) Um. yeah but we're starting with a story which uh the headline is 
but you got the best seats in the house exclamation mark because I can't really feign any excitement for this story um Beckham's boys are more interested in joking around than watching dad David play football uh, the first line is it looks like they're starting to take their VIP seats for granted spoiled little children they're like outrageous nine yeah the uh, Beckham boys spent the afternoon fooling around in the stands whilst attending their father's latest football match Romeo 8 and Cruz 6 which you'd have thought would give quite a good indication as to why they were larking about in the stands, to be honest, but obviously that's just not logical. Uh, they messed around feeding each other crisps, whilst the older brother, Brooklyn, 12, looked on unimpressed, because obviously they know his psychological state inside and out. Maybe they hacked his phone, or <laughs> who knows. But yeah, there, there follows several pictures to basically fan out the article which doesn't go on for that much longer and uh, basically they were meant to be watching their dad play uh, for LA Galaxy against Manchester City and I think if you're watching an American team against Manchester City I think that's an indication as to why you're bored yeah it's probably not a bad show until Mario Balotelli tries a crazy back heel when he thinks he's offside and everyone goes mental about it but there we go more piece of bad reporting from the sporting world there Mm. but yeah it's just basically the story is young children lose their attention whilst watching something which is not very interesting because i think even the most ardent football fans like fall asleep half through halfway through friendly matches when you see like the reserve team player you sent out for on loan for six years in a row (laughs) appear off the bench (laughs) Yeah, we're moving on to um, oh the, dear lord, the Daily Star, <laughs> an absolutely shocking story, and um, the headline of it is the not at all loaded tart back to haunt Wayne Rooney, which gives you an idea of the quality of this piece, and um, it goes like this: Wayne Rooney's hooker, a personal hooker apparently, <laughs> on the payroll. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did she play flanker at all? She's got a direct debit. <laughs> Standing order. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She is called Jenny Thompson, and apparently she is setting up an escort agency in his home city of Liverpool. Um, Wayne Rooney's shameless vice girl plans to cash in on her sex sessions with Rue, whoever that is, 25, <laughs> by bedding more Premier League players in the city. Her move comes after his wife, Colleen's pals, chased Jenny down the street and branded her, branded her a slag when she turned up at the same Scouse bar. Denny, uh, Denny? Jenny has lined up DJ work in Colleen's favourite haunts and been shopping in Wags Haunt Cricket, which I, I don't know how that's relevant. I don't think it's related to the actual sport of cricket because that has dignity and respect whilst this article is hurting my soul. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure what it has to do with any, anything. Is it like saying she's trying to deliberately bump into Colleen okay. or whatever? Yeah. Are they 22-year-old from Bolton, Ben? Yes. Yeah. I am uh, very aware because when this story broke, everyone in Bolton on my Facebook was like, oh, my God. Duh. It's just like, ah. Isn't it your sister? No. That, that's highly offensive, Adam. To her. Go, go and sit in a corner. <laughs> I mean, Guatemala, there are no corners. 
<laughs> Everyone knows Guatemala is perfectly circular. Basically, it says she has put out feelers for a, sl- a swanky flat to set up a Liverpool branch of her agency, Erotica Companions, which, you know, subtle. Sounds classy. Oh, there we go. Ever since boasting that Wayne Wright... Oh, yeah, I'm looking, reading directly from the article, as you can tell there. Um, he uh, paid her and Helen Wood, 23, for a threesome. Jenny has tried to cash in a source. So, you know, obviously reliable stuff here. They said she aims to rub Colleen's face in it by selling sex in her hometown. The, the thing, I can I just point this out quickly, is it says ever since boasting the Wayne right whilst the pitch is on the left. That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> uh, who knows? Here's <laughs> the Daily Star. <laughs> but... Um, she goes on to say she's also been asking if there's any fresh meat in in the Liverpool team. This <laughs> is just horrific. But, um, but her name will be on posters all over town, making it easy for Colleen's fans to track her down and give her a slap. Jenny's spokesman said last night there are no immediate plans to open a Liverpool agency. So essentially so, that was a story which at the end went, oh, no, that story doesn't exist. Yeah. It's basically one person is trying to get money out of the Daily Star by saying, Oh, she doesn't like Colleen and she's going to have sex with people in the same city that Wayne Rooney comes from. Oh, no. That story took up three minutes and nine seconds and I will never get them back. No. I just, <laughs> I'm not really sure what. Just what. At least they can tell left and right. Oh, wait. <laughs> They're an impressive organisation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the last um, story is from every paper, basically, about Ed Miliband's nose operation, where basically they've taken sources from high up in the government that basically said his operation, which is supposed to be for a sleep apnoia or apnea, apnea yeah. there we go, which uh, restricts breathing in sleep and wakes people up and some people have actually died from it um yeah they basically said uh spin doctors wanted him to have that to make his voice sound better or hopefully if his nose isn't as blocked he won't sound as nasally basically and yeah one senior source said uh hopefully he'll sound like barry white afterwards (laughs) (laughs) yeah obviously a joke but everyone seems to have run with it (laughs) Oh my god! That's a choice person to pick. I mean, if everyone, if Ed Miliband sounded like Barry, I would give him more respect if he sounded like Barry White. Oh uh, yeah, let <laughs> me tell me you about my policy. <laughs> That's the worst <laughs> Barry White impression, without a doubt. The worst. <laughs> um, I'd probably vote brilliant. for him. He's spinning I'd in his sizable grave. Like a chuckle brother. <laughs> would you really? Yeah. I love the chuckle brothers. They were that kind of that annoying, but you listen to them. Adam votes for the Chuckle Brothers anyway. Oh no, it was just a Lib Dems. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know where you live. Carry on. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, with the relations between spin doctors and the media again, look sort of under strain, basically. It's just the papers seem to have taken the opportunity to now attack the spin doctors that they've been cozying up to for so long. And uh, the right-wing papers have also 
um, never mentioned to fail that it's cost £1,300 to the taxpayer on the NHS. So there you go. Like everything on the NHS, it costs money to the taxpayer. Yeah, it's kind of like the worst argument ever. Like <laughs> some much. man got treatment on the NHS, cost the taxpayer. All right, so once again, we're at the end of the show and we're going to finish as usual with our predictions. Um, Adam. Well, after two serious attempts at last week and the week before, I feel that I might go for a jokey one this time. So I predict that uh, the US is going to sort out its debt ceiling crisis, keep a AAA um, lending level credit rating, and that the NASDAQ will raise by around 23 and a half points in the next two days. Is this, is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I, I, I didn't think it was you. I was writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a joke, though. Mm. I think Glenn Beck will find out he's either a secret Christian or Muslim or both extremist somehow, combining the works of Jesus and Muhammad into one super religion, which he will see, see over. I think my prediction is going to be that uh, Mr. Hilton that we discussed earlier will probably end up having a DNA test to prove that uh, he is Carl Pilkinson's brother. <laughs> so that's the predictions done with. Uh, we won't be back next week. We're all around and about different places, so we won't be able to get together to do uh, the podcast. So we'll be back in two weeks' time. Should be on uh, the usual time, which is Friday night or Saturday for you to download it on iTunes. Um, so that's been, yeah, this has been This Week in Lies. Um, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Shivers later from Guatemala. Goodbye. Thank you.